This is episode three of the Christmas Tree Farming Podcast. Uh, My name is Jeremy Sissel, the owner of Sissel's Tree Farm in uh, Springfield, Kentucky. And this episode, we're going to talk about uh, cover crops and a little bit more into species selection. uh, And as it relates to getting the ground ready for upcoming blocks of Christmas trees. Uh, like I mentioned in the previous podcasts, we pre- we just recently uh, bought this property. Uh, it's close to 30-acre property. Uh, the goal is to, to fill the majority of that with Christmas trees, uh, choose and cut Christmas trees, uh, breaking it into several blocks of plantable blocks, I guess, of different varieties, but primarily canine fir. Uh, is uh, the variety that we've we've kind of settled on to be the majority of our trees. Um, the uh, the ground here was long time ago uh, tobacco base. So with it being in tobacco base, a lot of the ground around the house uh, and in the areas it was cleared, uh, it was wooded, it was cleared, and certain areas still have the debris of the old trees and limbs and stuff they kind of piled up Uh, so just like most lands when that happens a lot of the the really good topsoil gets lost Uh, the soil samples that I've taken so far show that we really we really only have about four to six inches of topsoil so it's it's really thin Uh, it's not some areas are more than that um, you can you can kind of tell where a lot of the topsoil was taken away by excavation or whatever they used to clear the pastures and everything out. Um, so I think as far as fertility goes, most of the acreage here is going to need some sort of cover crop. And I use the, the word cover crop uh, loosely because we're, we're really looking on most of these fields, the ones that won't get planted for you know, five, seven, eight years, uh, some sort of perennial cover crop. Um, we're looking at, you know, probably establishing, probably we'll do some, some annual uh, cover crop rotations on it, but in the end, we will uh, settle on some sort of perennial uh, cover, you know, crop uh, that's beneficial for what we're doing. Uh, what I really like is a legume uh, for building up nitrogen in this area, what, what we're using now is hairy vetch and winter rye. Uh, that's what we've what we've put down on a couple acres here that we're going to be using in the next couple years. Um, so this coming, you know, uh, fall it was seeded, and this coming spring it'll grow out, and it will, we'll, you know, we'll disc it under uh, once it gets about. Uh, before seed head, we'll, we'll disc it all under and use it as green manure, and then uh, see what comes back after that. Uh, we're going to, after the hairy vetch and winter rye, we're probably going to. I'm probably going to initiate some sedan grass, some sorghum sedan grass, to try to build up the biomass um, in the soil. And the sorghum sedan grass, it, it just gets huge. It gets really huge, and it does really well following hairy vetch. Um, and then after the sedan grass, 
probably go back to the uh, Harry Vetch uh, winter ride again. And then after that, we will establish a perennial clover, like a Ladano clover, a white clover. Um, and hopefully have the fields ready with a thick, you know, stand of, of, of perennial clover so that we can just mow it. And it really makes a nice um, plot for, for, for strip tilling up for trees and for planting trees. It has a nice clover base. It really helps build a nitrogen in the soil. Um, so that's the plan now. Uh, I, we'll pray, probably change some of that. I mean, I'm, I'm not doing that for everything. We will do some winter, uh, some peas. And, and we will do sunflowers in some of the areas because we do a, uh, a dove hunt here. Uh, on a couple acres and it'll get, it'll get sunflowers, you know, um, which also are really good for the soil. Uh, all these things, you know, just, just so the, the, it's not just sitting in grass and weeds. It's, it's working on stuff. It's getting, uh, trying not to till very much. And, and the tilling that we do is really a, uh, a fast till or we get the uh, disc out and we just disc it really fast. A light disc uh, just just to break up the first few inches of the soil uh, put these things under so that it has benefit to the ground and, and I wanted to talk a little bit more on species selection I think we talked about it previously uh, just been reading a lot of literature from newsletters from Christmas tree associations you know the there are several Christmas tree associations and a lot of them publish newsletters that are freely available for everybody to read. And then some of them require that you join the uh, membership for that organization in order to get access to their quarterly or annual newsletter or journal. But there's just a lot of uh, talk about species selection. And I think I, think I kind of get caught up into that because I'm really interested in the you know, soil prep and how, how, what, what species are working the soil and certain things that we do to make the soil better and make, you know, seedlings and certain species work better. Uh, certain species have uh, high, higher tolerances against disease and, and fungus um, and drought and, and, and wet feed and, and, you know, being overly wet or being overly dry. So I really enjoy that, that stuff. So the more that I read about it, it, it is making me uh, want to try out some more species of Christmas trees on our farm. And what we what we're doing and what I'm setting up now is we are going to do some trials of several different species of trees uh, this year. Going to plant uh, probably three or four new species every year this year in spring, and we're also going to do the same thing in fall. Some of the species are our traditional Christmas trees uh, and then some of them are what what the uh, Christmas tree industry calls exotic or hybrid um, most of the things that I've read really have to pertain to my my microclimate here in central Kentucky um, looking at the you know the, the cold days what you know the, the number of cold, cool days or freeze days and then I guess they call it chill days um, 
and looking at the elevation of my farm and and re, you know balancing that against some of the studies that have been done by Penn State and Michigan State University, uh, they've they've done some species uh, I guess trials over the past five to ten years, and some of them have actually been pretty close to, especially Penn State. They've been really close to uh, my 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 environment here, at least on paper. Um, they've done some exotic Christmas tree testing with Turkish and Korean and Nordman uh, furs and some Meyer spruce and, and some other things. And a lot of those trials have been with uh, Pennsylvania elevation of about 900, I think. And also the the pH of the soil for a lot of those farms was five and a half to like six point six. So it interests me because if you've been listening to my podcast, our soil natively here is between six eight and seven um, seven one. So even with sulfur that we do, you know, you know, on an annual basis, and, and using ammonium sulfate as a uh, nitrogen source to lower the pH and do fertilizer, we still have a, a natively higher pH, but hoping to land somewhere around the 6.5, you know, on an, on an average basis, getting down to 6.0, but I think 6.5 is more realistic to just keep all the time. So this fall, I'm sorry, this spring, we've got a few orders in for, for 50 or 100 of a few different species, like I said before, uh, this the primary species that I'm that I'm uh, concentrating on is the Canaan Canaan fir. That'll be, you know, well over fifty to seventy five percent of of what we plant. Um, but those are coming from a few different sources, um, different seed sources. Uh, one of the seed sources is the Ohio. Uh, Was it the, the Canaan Fir Company that's in? Ohio, uh, I think the seed source comes from an orchard by Dr. Brown up in uh, up at Ohio State. So I'm getting some seed source. I'm getting some seedlings from them with that with that orchard, that seed orchard in Ohio, and I'm getting some seedlings from Bosch's Nursery in Pennsylvania, and I'm getting some seedlings from Isaska or Isaska Nursery that's up in Minnesota. So I'm just getting them from a, a few different places, the Canaan fir, just to see what's going to work best here and which one, which, which seedlings are the best, which ones look the best, the seeding source, you know, just a lot of different variables, trying to get them all around the same size, a two, one or a three or a three, one. Um, and then the next thing is the, the Black Hill spruce. We're, we're, we're going to grow Black Hill spruce here. Like we talked about, uh, only like a hundred or 200 of those are going in the ground in spring. Um, we're also going to grow some Virginia pine. I'm only going to put a hundred of those in the ground in spring those are faster growing i'm really just kind of growing those so that i'll have a crop of christmas trees in about five years um i don't think that's long term you know what i want to do because the virginia pine takes a lot of extra work shearing it two to two to three times a year to keep it nice uh, but it does grow quicker so it's a trade-off the uh extra species that i'm going to plant this spring uh we're going to plant the nordman done a lot of research over the past few days on Norman talking to some guys and gals and reading a lot of studies and you know Nordman I was uh, 
I retired from the army, and uh, when we were stationed in Germany, the Nordman fur was the was the Cadillac of furs over there in Germany. Um, kind of how the Fraser fur here in the uh, United States is. Over there, Nordman was what everyone had. I think maybe Noble was. No, I don't think Noble. I think that's still North America. I think it was the the Nordman fur was it was it. And we when I went to we went to the stores and looked at Christmas trees. It was in Nordman. So uh, there's actually an article by the Extension Office and University of Kentucky that actually recommends the Nordman fir for land, for, as the primary fir landscape tree for this area. Um, so I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to. I think we're going to plant. I can't remember 50 or 100. I got those from Brooks Nursery um, in Oregon. So we're going to give that give that a shot. Those are three O's, so three year seedlings. Um, they're probably like a foot, you know, the Norman's a small tree, so I'm, I'm sure they're probably around 12 inches, um, eight to 12 inches would be my guess, even at three years old, three-year-old seedling. Um, so we're going to plant about a hundred of those, I believe. Uh, also got some Meyer spruce. Uh, I had not uh, heard of the Meyer spruce, uh, but through reading some newsletter about some exotic Christmas tree varieties uh, a lot of people are growing the meyer spruce it it it, uh is more tolerant and recommends a neutral uh soil even up into the alkaline you know seven seven and a half so that that's interesting for me i don't know anyone here that grows the meyer spruce uh, but it based on soil requirements and, and temperature and stuff like that it looks like maybe uh, it will it will work here, so I'm, I think we got 50 or 100 of those. So I'm gonna give those a shot as well. And what else did we get? We got. Uh, I feel like I got one more thing, but I can't remember what it was. Anyway, we're gonna try out we're gonna try out a few species, and in this sprint, and in and in the following year, you know, um, as far as getting seedlings in. It, and I'm going to go over, I do a podcast in the future of, of this, the schedule uh, that it takes to, you know, soil preps, you know, your overall farm schedule, like when you should be doing certain things, like, but seedling schedule, like ordering seedlings, ordering pre-cuts if you need them, like knowing who to get seedlings from and the quantities and who, who's are higher and lower and why they're higher and lower is all very, is all very important. And it's all stuff that you just kind of have to learn as you go and i'm learning as as we go um but i think for us beings we're new relatively new to christmas tree farming it's in my best interest to try out several varieties of um, spruce and fir um, just to just to see what what will take off here Uh, uh, i know there's turkish furs as well and koreans but I have actually talked to some people in this area that have tried the Turkish and the Korean fur, and they both just don't grow fast enough uh, to the point of a ten-year-old Korean that Korean fur that's still only about four feet tall. So that's, I mean, and it, and it looks good. Like I, I've, I've looked at it, uh, it, it does look good. But if it's only going to be four or five feet tall after ten years in the ground, as it, after you know after it's been outplanted then it just timing wise i mean i can't do that but um so hopefully on some of the other species that we're doing it's going to be better uh so to recap 
uh, cover crops. If you're if you're not doing cover crops or or you are doing cover crops, let me know. Um, Sisseltreefarm at gmail.com. Uh, be very interested in what other people are doing for cover crops or perennial cover, uh, ground cover on their fields uh, between rotations. If you have enough acreage that you haven't opened up yet, or if you have acreage that you have to repurpose after you've cut and you know, re- and you got to get the stumps out and stuff, uh, be very interested in what other people are doing. If you're in the central Kentucky, southern Indiana, northern Tennessee region, and you're growing stuff besides canines and um you know there's only really one fraser grower he's in lexington if you're growing something besides canines or uh, white pine uh, let me know i'm interested in what other people are growing i'd love to have you on the podcast i'd I'd love to come out to your farm and visit uh, and do an interview or take notes or write up a newsletter this anything that we can help you know other farmers in this area because there's so much information in the Pacific Northeast or Northwest. There's so much information in the Vermont and Connecticut area. There's just, and even in the Midwest, but there's nothing in the, the really in, in the Kentucky area that pertains to Kentucky because we're in that kind of middle ground of what will grow here. Because if you go south, once you get to middle Tennessee, pretty much all you're going to grow in there is, is Leland Cypress murray cypress arizona cypress and all that stuff you're not going to grow any fir trees so uh, i think there's a guy in atlanta that somehow grows fir, fraser firs um but for the most part once you get to middle tennessee you're 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 switching over to what's that zone seven and once you get into zone seven b you for hardiness you really have to look more to cypresses and stuff like that but anyway that that's going to end it for us today if Again, if anybody has any questions or if there's things you want to hear about, um, again, I'm new to growing Christmas trees. I'm just learning as I go. The purpose of this is just to document what I'm doing and talk about what I'm doing at that moment uh, and, and go from there. Uh, I guess a sneak peek next next podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more on soil and planting seedlings and stuff like that and using my, I think it's pronounced mycorrhiza, mycorrhiza fungi uh, as we use to inoculate the soil and the benefits of that and and more, more of that kind of uh, stuff. That's it. Thank you.